Well, if you have your Bible, uh, will you turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago the first part of this study on loving God. As we begin tonight, the second part of this study, I want you to look with me at this passage in Deuteronomy 6. And I want you to follow along in your Bible as I read, beginning at verse 4. And again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Deuteronomy 6, beginning at verse 4, and I'll read through verse 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Love the Lord our God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. With all your might. What is it to love God? What is it? What is it to love God? How do you love God? You can't you can't give God anything he needs. He doesn't need anything. Often we think of gift giving. We give things to to people we love. Well, you you don't you don't wrap up a present and give it to God. He doesn't need for you to give him gifts, but what does he want? What is it to love God? In Deuteronomy 6, we're told to Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And what this is pointing to is that you are to love God with your whole being. The idea here in the text, and and again we hear it repeated in the New Testament, two different places, that we're to love God with everything we have. That's the idea here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And here it says with all your might. In the New Testament you'll see all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And in another place, and your strength. That The idea is to give your whole life. That every area of your, of your life would not go untouched by your love for God and how you demonstrate your love for God and how you show Him you love Him. No one part of your life should be left out when learning how to love God and live for Him so that He would be glorified with the way that you live, the way that you love Him. This is obviously an important passage. You can see it here. It's obviously important because as verse 6 says here, these words should be, on our heart, and we are to, verse 7 again, teach them diligently to our children, and shall talk of them when we sit in our house, and when we walk by the way, and when we lie down, and when we rise. That's every area of life that should be influenced 
by God's love for us and for our praise of Him and our recognition of His goodness and glory and our love for Him. No area of our lives should go untouched. I think of teaching them diligently to our children. Uh, why, do, why does Dave need to go to Burton? And why, do, why have Tim and Terry done that for many years? And some of you have done that for many years. Why have you needed to do that? Because not everyone does this. Not every family has the Word of God living in them. Mom and Dad don't have the Word of God growing in them. But, but for God's people, for those of us who name the name of Christ, we say, I'm a follower of Jesus We had better get this right. We have no excuses for not doing what this passage says. So this is obviously important. We're to teach diligently these truths to our children, to those under our care. We'll talk of them all the time. When we sit in our house, when we walk by the way, when we lie down, when we rise, all the time. So how do you love God? How, how does this translate into loving God? How do you love God that way with all your heart and with all your soul and with all, all your might? Well, last time we started looking at a passage in Psalm 63, and I want you to turn there now. So Psalm 63. We're looking at this passage in Psalm 63 for help with answering that question. So let's turn there together and let's pick up where we left off two weeks ago. Looking at Psalm 63, I'm just going to read the passage again that I read last time, verses 1 through 8. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for You, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Did you notice as I read those verses from Psalm 63, some similarities to the passage there in Deuteronomy about how we're to love the Lord our God? The psalmist here says, says, I, uh, my soul will be satisfied with you as with rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And then in verse 6, when I remember you upon my bed. <laughs> you ever wake up in the night and you have a hard time sleeping, or maybe you're having a hard time getting to sleep, first of all? Where does your mind go? Where does your mind go? I would encourage you to hide God's Word in your heart and to, and to, um, to let the songs that we sing ring in your ears so that they take you back to the truths of God's Word. So as you're laying there restlessly in bed, maybe reciting Scripture would be a good way to fall asleep. Wouldn't that be great? I'm sure God would be honored and pleased to hear you reciting Scripture and fall asleep in the middle of a verse. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, but I, and when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, Well, when we first looked at this passage two weeks ago, I pointed you to verse 1 and suggested that we learn from David's experience 
here that to truly love God with your whole life, you must thirst and long for God. And that's something we can cultivate. Maybe you would say, I don't know if I thirst for God. I don't know if I long for God. I, I hope you long to thirst and long for God. That you see that as a necessary thing in your life because God's word says that it's necessary. But we need to, true, if we're going to truly love God, we need to thirst and long for God. In verse 1, David says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. So do you? You might ask yourself, do I hunger for God like I hunger for my next meal? It's um, past 5 p.m. now, but I don't know if you, do you typically eat around, some of us typically eat around 5, 5.36, sometimes maybe 7. You get to this time of day. If you haven't eaten anything all day, you are hungry for your next meal, right? And maybe, maybe you ate, you got home today and maybe at about 1 or 1.30 because your preacher didn't let you go any sooner than 12.15 or something like that, right? Maybe you ate about 1 or 1.30 or so and now you're thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm hungry again. And it probably doesn't help that I'm talking about it. But do you, and you ought to ask yourself, do I hunger for for God? Do I long for God like I like I get hungry for my next meal or like I get thirsty when I'm out laboring in the backyard without any water for a long period of time? So if you're a believer in Jesus, I would suggest this, that you pursue a knowledge of God from His Word because He is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He is your God. You are, you are humbling yourself before your God when you open His Word. See, God is God over all. But when you put your trust in Him, you humble yourself before Him and welcome Him into your life and you submit to Him as your God. And you aren't properly submitting to God if you're not putting yourself in His Word. So He's not far. He's not distant. He's not a removed God, a God who's removed Himself from us. God is near. He is as near as your Bible. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He's in you and he wants to take the word of god when you open the scriptures and he wants to help you learn from his word be encouraged from his word and apply his word to your life so then i also challenged you last time that if you're going to know what it is to love god with your whole life you not only need to thirst and long for god but you also need to behold god behold god in david's word from uh, words from verse two look at verse two again so i have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory that points to the holiness of God, His his power and glory. God is completely holy. God is completely righteous. There's nothing unholy or unrighteous about God. So, So God is glorious because He is holy, because He is righteous, because He is completely without sin. Because of this, He is glorious. That's one reason among many. And yet, uh, don't forget that if you're a believer in Jesus, He is your God. So take stock of God's power and glory. You don't, uh, you, you don't do that without reading the Bible and making God's Word your own. You don't do that without believing His Word. Believe the Bible. Believe what God says in His Word. It's for your good. You can do that by reading the Bible, believing His Word. You can also see that God is glorious when you recognize that He is at work in your life. You, can, you ought to be able to look back over time 
and say, I may, and some of us maybe have been believers for decades, we ought to be able to look back over the decades and say, I'm not the person I was 10, 20, 30, should I go further? 40, 50, right? So, so many years ago, how about last year? How about last month? You don't be able to look back over time and say, I'm cha- God is changing me because I'm submitting to His Word. And if you don't see your life changing, get into the Word, submit to the truth of God's Word, ask for God to convict you of things that are uh, opposed to His Word, that are not obedient to His Word, and, and ask Him to help you see areas in your life that you need to bring in conformity to the truth of His Word so that you are growing and changing. So behold Behold God, your God, powerful and righteous and glorious God who deserves, deserves your obedience and deserves your, your praise. Behold God. Now, thirdly, uh, we pick up here from last time. So that was the first two we talked about last time. Thirst and long for God. If you want to love God, heart and soul, with all your might, as we see here in Deuteronomy, thirst and long for God. Behold God. Thirdly, you can, you can love God with, with everything you have, with your whole life, by praising God. Praising God. Look at Psalm 63, verse 3 again. Why was David praising God? And, and think about this. Why should you praise God? Verse 3. Because your steadfast love is better than life. Do you see a reason to praise God? I do. Because your steadfast love is better than life. God's steadfast love, His unchanging, unbreakable, constant, His love, His mercy, His favor. David praised God because he realized that God's constant love for him, His steadfast love for him, His unbreakable love for him, God's mercy on him, God's favor on him, was better than any life he could possibly live this side of heaven. And we, we want to live incredible lives, don't we? We, we? we want to live a wonderful life this side of heaven. We think about this life and we want to live a wonderful life. And yet David said, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Even if we don't get to live an incredible life, we have much to praise God for because of his steadfast love. When you think about your life, what's more valuable to you than your life? What's more value to me, you and me? What's, what's more valuable to us than life itself? It's, it's hard for us to put a finger on anything that's more valuable to us than our lives. And when you begin to recognize and personalize what David said about who God is and the depths of his love for you, then you won't be able to keep from praising God with your lips. And you'll be able to say with David, because your steadfast love is better than life. Better than anything I could possibly imagine enjoying this side of eternity. Because of that, I'll praise you. My lips will praise you. Now stop and think about this for a moment. David is uh, in the wilderness. It's likely this is a time he's running for his life. There were a couple of times like that. What do we hear from his lips here when he's in the wilderness. Think of it. He's coming from his lips is praise for God, not lament, not complaining. This may be what we need more than anything else when we're hurting to remember this. 
You know, when you're hurting, and I pray often for people who are physically hurting, and you do too, I also pray often for people who are hurting because of different circumstances or difficult relationships of life, and I often pray not only that they may have relief from the hurt, but that they will be able to praise God in the midst of it, to see that God is at work, to see that He is in control, and to trust Him in that so that they might praise Him. What, what, what I'm praying for, for people in those circumstances, and I think it's a biblical thing to pray for, is that they will have spiritual strength to trust God in those difficult times. So this may be what we need more than anything else when we're hurting, to remember who God is. Because because you, O Lord, because your steadfast love, O Lord, because of your greatness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So this may be what we need more than anything else when, when things are difficult. What you likely need most in a time like that is to remember the steadfast love of the Lord for you because He is your God and then to bring praise from your lips to God. It may help you change your perspective about your difficult circumstances. Interestingly, this isn't the only time that we need to give praise when we're hurting, that we need to be reminded to give praise to God. Interestingly, when things are going well, when things are going well, even really well, you can also be tempted to forget about the steadfast love of the Lord. If you take too much comfort, or if you have some pride in what's happening because of your present good circumstances, you can be tempted to forget about the steadfast love of the Lord that you need to be reminded of. So when things are good, you should also be reminding yourself of the steadfast love of the Lord and praise Him for it. If you want to love the Lord your God with your heart and soul and all your might with your whole life, then learn to praise God. In all circumstances. Is God and his steadfast love for you more important to you than, than any, any kind of great life you could live this side of heaven, this side of eternity? You need to ask yourself that. Am I, am I willing to praise God when things are difficult? Am I willing to give God the glory when things are going well? And recognize that it's because of his grace and mercy that I'm enjoying a time of peace. Praise God. David in the wilderness, even the difficulty, was praising God. This reminds me of Acts 16. You know the account in Acts 16 when Paul and Silas are in jail? And what do they do? They pray and they sing praise to God. So much so that their testimony changed the jailer's life, didn't it? If you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, then praise God. For, for the Lord, praise for God, will be on your lips even in the midst of difficult circumstances and even in the midst of times when, when you would say, oh, things are going really well. If somebody comes to you and says, how's it going? You say, things are great. Perfect time to praise God. When, when things are difficult, when you're struggling, perfect time to praise God. Remind yourself of God's goodness and greatness and love for you. David might have been tempted, we don't know, but he might have been tempted to sit around grumbling and complaining about being in the wilderness. But instead, what we see from him, what we hear from him, is that he knew that the Lord's steadfast love for him was better than the best life he could even imagine. 
And he chose to praise God. So if you love God with your whole life, as you should, then, then your lips will be filled with praise. You'll overflow with praise. Praise given to God. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says about this. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. That's a good point. He goes on to say, it is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. You might, you might enjoy God's mercy on you. It's not complete until you've expressed it. Praise God with your lips. As David says, he does. And that's an important thought. If you're going to fully delight in God, if you're going to love Him with your heart and soul and might with all your life, with every area of your life, then you need to complete that like C.S. Lewis expresses with your praise for God. Complete that, that recognition of who God is with praise to Him. And your praise of God is your way of expressing to God that you love Him. It's your way of expressing to God just how much you love Him. It's natural for you to praise the ones you love here on earth, isn't it? To think of, you know, you can ask me about my children and I will tell you about the things that they're doing and it's easy to praise, praise the ones we love, isn't it? Well, in the same way, when you love God with every part of your life, then praise to God will naturally come from your lips. It's like if you're walking uh, with a full glass of water and someone bumps you, what's, what happens? Water will splash out and that ought to happen to you because you're so full of love for God that when, when you get bumped, praise for God comes out. Uh, when Carolyn and I were traveling a couple of weeks ago for vacation, uh, we stopped along the route for lunch and we went inside and ordered our food and we were standing in line waiting for our food to come. And in walking uh, to order behind us was a fellow wearing a, a ball cap that had a Marine Corps emblem on it. And he had a vest with a Marine Corps emblem on it. And when he got done ordering, he stood, stopped and stood beside us. And I looked at him and I said, Semper Fi, Marine. And he looked at me and, and uh, after he asked me if I had served, I said, yes, I had. I'd served in the Marines also. And he grabbed my hand and, and shook hands with me. Um, we talked a little bit as we were waiting for our food, and, and I don't know why, but out of the blue, he said, I used to be a part of the VFW. I don't, I don't go there anymore. He says, every time I went, all they did was drink. And I said, that's not good. And he said, now I preach. And I said, so do I. <laughs> so do I. And he said, praise God. God is good. And before we walked out, he said it again, praise God. God is good. God is good. And I, I had to agree. How do you love God with your whole life? Thirst and long for God. Behold your God. Recognize who God is. And then praise God. Let your life be an overflow of your love for God. Praise Him. Praise Him with your lips. Don't let people who know you go without hearing you praise God. Uh, these are ways you can express to God that you love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength, with all your life, with your whole life, every area of your life. Now, here's another way you can express your love for God, and it's by blessing God. Blessing God. Well, how do you bless God? <laughs> it's an interesting thought, isn't it? How do you bless God? Look at verse 4 again where David says, So I will bless you 
as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. The word for bless here can also mean to kneel. And that's helpful, isn't it? That's helpful to think about that. The word for bless here could mean to kneel. When you think of kneeling before God, you should think of it as an act of expressing reverence to God, humility before God. You're humbling yourself. I trust if you, if you ever kneel in prayer, and I don't think our posture, our outward posture, is anywhere near as important as our inward posture before God. So you might kneel on your knees before God and your heart is rebellious and you're not kneeling. Or you might stand and pray and you're humbling yourself before God and you are in effect kneeling. But sometimes posture is good and it's not bad to kneel. Get on your knees physically or it's a bit uncomfortable if you can. And get on your knees and pray before God. So I will bless you as long as I live, says David. In your name I will lift up my hands. When you think of kneeling before God, you're thinking, you ought to be thinking of expressing reverence to God, humility before God. It's an act of worship is what the idea is here. It's worship. You're bowing before God when you, when you, bless, when you bless God as long as you live. In your name I will lift up my hands that lifting up of his hands in the Lord's name, that's also, that's an act of worship. We don't, uh, typically we Baptists typically don't raise our hands in worship. If you do, that's all right. You can, that's fine. Um, I'm not going to tell you you can't. Uh, one of the things that I enjoy about going to pastors' conferences is, is seeing a mix of pastors from all over the country, sometimes from all over the world. And uh, there's guys sometimes in front of me with their hands like this, praising God as I look around them to see the words on the screen. Uh, but I praise God. You know, you can praise God that way. You can praise God by lifting your hands. The attitude of your heart is what's important. It's fine to raise your hands. It's fine to get on your knees. But where's your heart? Your heart better be there also. Blessing God. Kneeling. Raising the hands. Humbling yourself before God. So, what is it to worship God? I, I love this little um, definition, this helpful description. A.W. Tozer writes, says of worship, Worship is to feel in your heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe and astonished wonder and overpowering love in the presence of of that most ancient mystery, that majesty which philosophers call the first cause, but which we call our Father, which are in heaven. Good description of worship. That's worship. And that's why, as David recognizes in verse 1, O oh God, you are my God. Do you recognize that? David can't help but bless God because he recognizes who God is. And he worships him. And David worshiped God from the heart. If you truly love God and you seek to love him with your whole life, your heart's going to be involved. Your soul is going to be involved. Your strength, your gifts, the gifts that God has trusted you, your work, the work of your hands, the things that you, you say, I own, which are actually God's, and he's allowing you to use them, <laughs> the things that you own, right? Those things ought to be used for God's glory you ought to think about every area of your life and no area of your life should escape. Oh God, you are my God. 
And everything that I have is yours, and I want to use all things for your glory. David worshiped God from the heart. Here in the English Standard Version, the phrase in verse 4, so I will bless you, that little phrase, as long as I live, your translation might say something like that. The, it's a little bit better translation than uh, what I find in the King James or New King James where it says, while I live. Listen, listen to it again from the English Standard Version. So, while I, uh, so I will bless you as long as I live. As long as you live. If you love God with your whole life, with every area of your life, you will worship God. It won't be just for an hour on Sunday during a worship service, but it will be something you practice throughout the week. And that's what God desires of us. Your worship of God, your blessing God, will be what marks your life as long as you have breath. But it doesn't stop there. See, I think David meant even further than this life. What's further than this life? It's eternal life. It's our, it's our eternal destiny. David couldn't fathom there ever being a time when he wouldn't be blessing God, worshiping God, humbling himself before his mighty God. And there will be, of, of course, a day when we all bow humbly before our great God and we'll see and understand more fully His power and glory and we will bless and worship Him for all eternity. So I suggest, how about we live this life looking forward to and practicing for that day? That's what we're doing. When we worship together as a church, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? We, we gather together for... Uh, corporate worship together, we're, we're practicing the worship that we're going to give to God in heaven. And He calls us to do it now. But we'll do it for all eternity. So live your life looking forward to the time that's all of eternity, worshiping God. And look forward to that with a, with a sense of reverence and awe for the holiness and power of God. Resolve to worship God with with a proper humility for as long as you live and use this life to practice that worship that you're going to offer God for all of eternity. What a privilege is ours, isn't it? To be able to worship God now, to lift up our voices in praise, to lift up our, our lives as a living sacrifice given to God in worship and praise of who He is. There is something wonderfully fulfilling and satisfying about thirsting and longing for God and beholding God and praising God and blessing God. There's something wonderfully good for us in that. So may God's Word instruct us. May His Word once again challenge us to love Him, not with just a little part of our week or a little part of our day, but wholeheartedly, with all of our days, with all of our weeks and months, if we have years before the Lord returns, years. For as long as we live, why? For the sake of God's glory, that God would be glorified with our lives. That's why we're here. And when your life glorifies God, you know what it does? It, it praises God. It points people to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something else that comes when you worship God with your life you get to experience His joy this side of heaven. That eternal joy that will be yours. You get a little slice of it here on earth. And that's a wonderful thing to anticipate and look forward to and to experience. 
So I encourage you, worship God. We'll come back and uh, finish up, Lord willing, next Sunday evening with the last two, last two challenges.